every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Juliet Kopecki, CMO at LinkSquares, the company behind the AI-powered contract management platform of choice for legal teams aiming to move their business forward faster. In this episode, Juliet shares with us her strategies for defining and creating good content and how to meet customers where they are, her focus on creating stronger customer connections, and the importance of bringing varied skill sets in-house in order to match the change of pace within the marketing industry. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Juliet Kopecki, CMO at LinkSquares, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today I am joined by a special guest. Juliet, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining. Excited to chat all about your background. We're going to chat about link squares, marketing to lawyers, which is going to be fun and much more. What was your first job in marketing? You know, it's funny. I would say that I found marketing sort of later in life. And one of the things that I always tell people is how I have like a very non-traditional marketing background. I would say I actually started out my early career working in finance and did that for a number of years before going back to school. I went to business school at MIT and had always been interested in marketing and startups and technology and joined HubSpot after business school. I was an early HubSpot employee, but actually I started out there working in sales and then I worked in product before joining their marketing team. And I love that intersection between sales and product and marketing. But that was my first marketing role. And so that would have been in probably 2012. So fairly late in my actual career, I graduated college in 2003. So for those doing the math on it, (laughs) but really grew up my marketing career from there and kind of like found a love and passion for it. Flash forward to today, what does it mean to be CMO of LinkSquares? To be CMO at LinkSquares. So I joined LinkSquares almost four years ago and really built marketing from the ground up. When I joined four years ago, I was the only marketer and to where we are today. So our marketing team is about 32 people. And to be CMO at LinkSquares, I mean, what I do is I oversee all of marketing. So that includes content, demand gen, our creative team, and also our product marketing team. And really what it involves, you know, I would say my role today is very different than what it was four years ago when it was just like a marketing team of one, but it's really setting marketing strategy as a whole and defining how we generate demand and awareness for our product and company. And we're going to get into all that here in a little bit. So let's go to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, 
You are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? A place where you go and feel honest and trusted and you can share those deepest, darkest pipeline generation secrets. Zooming out, what do y'all do and who are you selling to? What is LinkSquares? Yeah. So our core product is an AI-powered CLM. So that's contract lifecycle management. So we help businesses write better contracts, understand what's in their contracts, and collaborate on that process across the team. And we actually just uh, last week announced our latest product, which is actually our first product outside of CLM, and it's task management for legal teams. So helping them manage all of those key projects and things that they do that maybe fall outside of contracts as well. And for us, like our key target buyer is in-house legal teams. Typically that is your general counsel, your chief legal officer. Occasionally it's your head of legal operations and sometimes it's your CFO. Yeah. And so within that buying committee, obviously a few different types of personas. How do you think about going to market with those different personas? Yeah, I think for us, you know, I have worked at a number of different software companies. And before I joined LinkSquares, I will say that marketing to legal teams was something that was was new to me. You know, I had worked at HubSpot before and we were marketing to marketers. I had worked at a backup company before and we were marketing to IT folks. And so legal was a new audience for me to market to and to really understand and to dig to dig deeper into and really understanding some of their buying habits. And what's interesting for legal teams purchasing software, a lot of times when they're looking at something like LinkSquares, it might be the first time that they are looking at software that is designed for legal, which I think mm-hmm. is very different than like, if you asked me and you said, hey, Juliet, what does your marketing tech stack look like? I would probably name for you 20 to maybe 30 pieces of software that we use on the marketing side to do better marketing and that are very specific to marketing and what we do. You ask a typical legal team, you know, what pieces of software do they use to do their job? And a lot of times they might mention something like we use Excel spreadsheets. We use, you know, Microsoft Word to write our contracts and Mm -hmm. we manage our tasks and our projects or key terms in those contracts in an Excel spreadsheet. And we store everything in like a shared network drive. And I think what's really interesting there in terms of like the software purchasing process in terms of evaluating technology and taking a look at it, legal teams are just earlier on in that process than other groups within an organization. Yeah, they sure are. It's pretty crazy. And as someone who works with legal teams pretty often when we're doing contracting and all that stuff, and boy, same thing every time. Redlining Google Docs that have turned into Microsoft Docs that have you know turned into 15 different types of formatting and it's absolutely maddening. Absolutely. And I think what what really I think stood out to me about LinkSquares is that even for those of us that don't work in legal, all of us have dealt with contracts and exactly what you're outlining in terms of negotiating a contract, working with red lines. I think for anyone, most people in their career have gone through that process and know some of the pain and frustration (laughs) of going through it and have wanted that process to be easier and better. And that's, that's really what we do at LinkSquares. And I think across the board, even though like our key 
buyer is a legal team. I mean, I think everyone has felt that pain of wanting to create a contract faster and having that process be easier. And then even understanding like where I know, even as a marketer, where I've had to go back into contracts that, that we've signed last year or the year before to really do a deep dive and understand it. And all of that process is easier with Link Squares. What are the types of accounts that you're going after? Yeah, we've focused pretty squarely on the mid-market. Is that what you mean in terms yeah. of area? I think that for us as a business, though, we're we're certainly industry agnostic. Like one of the great things that I think has really led to our growth as a company is that all companies use contracts to do business. So there isn't one specific vertical or industry that we focus on, but we're pretty squarely focused in terms of company size on the mid-market. Yeah. And what's your marketing strategy? I think for us, I mean, it is certainly, if I think back to when I started at Linksquare four years ago, it has certainly evolved over time. But really for us, a lot of what we focus on is, you know, thinking through what are the different channels, obviously, that like our key buyer uses to make their decision process. And then also focusing on knowing that some of these key characteristics about them where they're newer to purchasing technology, that they haven't maybe implemented a lot of technology on their own before in that evaluation process. And, and what we focus on is one, certainly from like an education and thought leadership standpoint, like how do we help educate our buyers into different ways that they should think about like their contracting process and even their legal function as a whole? How do we educate them and help them with that process of understanding technology and how to make that purchasing decision? And then also, you know, showcasing for them like the real true value that that LinkSquares provides them. And in terms of different channels that we focus on, you know, probably typical, like, as you see, like with most marketing teams, I would say like one thing that really differentiates ourselves when I think about marketing as a whole is that we do a ton of events. We do mm -hmm. find that legal teams use events as an opportunity to evaluate new pieces of technology. They go to events to learn about like new solutions out in market. And that's probably something that's very different than what I've seen versus other companies that I've worked at in the past in terms of particular buying habits. Yeah, that is really interesting. I'd imagine, especially if, if there's, if this is like probably a brand new budget item most of the time, right? If they're, if they've never bought any software for them specifically, I, I'd imagine that that process is a little bit more like got to wait for the budget to hit, <laughs> you know, like to be, or not, not to hit, but to, to be like actually built in. Yeah. I'd well, what imagine. I think is very interesting is that I would say, yes, in terms of a line item in the budget, soft, like legal software, isn't always something that's a line item that exists. But if you think about your legal team at an organization, they actually have access to a lot of budget, right? And actually have a lot of sway in terms of that budget. When you think about outside counsel, like outside, outside legal fees that they might oh, yeah. use a law firm to manage, like typically that budget is very, very large. And certainly if a company is in a high growth phase where they might be fundraising or maybe they're looking at M&A, or they're doing different like due diligence projects or thinking about, you know, expanding into new markets where understanding what's in their contracts and creating better contracts and managing all the tasks that are involved in it, that in terms of their access to budget 
it's it's pretty large. And typically your legal team, like your general counsel, will roll up directly into the CEO of the company. So they definitely have like a direct line of sight into decision making and being able to make that case for improving a process and driving those decisions and having access to budget. But yes, I would agree that they don't always have that line item where it's like legal software, X amount of dollars. And so a lot of times when we talk to legal teams, sometimes it's it's having them think about like their budget in different ways in terms of the allocation and showing them a really clear ROI with our software in terms of the projects that they're working on and they're they're looking to do. Yeah, that's super fascinating. And a, and a much more interesting and dynamic sales cycle when there is budget available and they just have to carve it out as something else because because legal teams are are generally speaking so minute driven because they're like, hey, 15 minutes is X amount of dollars. I'd imagine that they could probably get to an ROI number pretty quickly, right? I mean, I'd imagine like it's, you know, hey, this cost me, you know, however many 1.75 hours on a given week that I, or month that I don't have to deal with. And like, that's whatever, 600 bucks an hour. So absolutely, you know, you think about for, for most legal teams, if you're using outside counsel for a a due diligence project, right? You're getting that itemized bill and you can see, you know, how many hours were spent on a project and what, you know, usually it's either in like those six minute increments that you're getting billed to. And so when you think about like the time saved and how you can improve a process, for them, it's it's in some ways a very easy calculation. I would say on the LinkSquare side, you know, we certainly help our customers make that process easier. Like one of the great pieces of content that we created last year is we partnered with Forrester and Forrester did a study on our customers. They call it their total economic impact report, TEI report for short. Essentially what they did is they took a look at our customers and interviewed a number of them. And they said, you know, what, what are the quantifiable benefits that you see with using a product like Link Squares? And they distill it down to a number and they found that our customers see a 352% ROI with the investment that they use, that they make with LinkSquares. And what I love about that is in terms of answering that question, like what results will I see with using LinkSquares? What are the tangible quantifiable benefits in terms of time saved, in terms of processes improved, in terms of risk mitigated, that we have a very real like number that we we can point to with data. And I think it's so powerful in that purchasing process because our customers, you know, are asking that question. They're saying, hey, we're going to ch- change a process that we're doing. What do I get in return for it? And I don't know about you, but if you told me I could get a 352% return on something, I would make that investment all day, every day. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I had anything that was that good, I would lead every conversation with it. You know, like that would just be my starting point of, of every single thing. It's, yeah, it's exactly. Pretty incredible. Any other thoughts on strategy, marketing strategy, or, or as it relates to, to demand gen or pipeline generation? I mean, I would say for us, you know, part of really having that strong demand gen strategy is is having the content behind it, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, I think like for me, ha- being a HubSpot alum, you know, I definitely drank like the inbound marketing Kool-Aid on it. We create a ton of original content in all different forms. We have eBooks, we have blog articles that we we have a video, video series that we produce. We have a ton of webinars that we do. We do a ton of video content 
for product videos and different informational series. And so part of us having like a really strong, robust demand gen strategy, the foundation for that is the content that we create and that we produce. And, you know, we produce most of it in-house and we have an incredible marketing team that I'm so proud of. Music to my ears, Juliet. Love it. You know, content, it's proven to be- that would. That way, kind of like right? your ear, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, you know, I, of course, I'm biased, but, but, at the same time, like the only reason why we do this stuff is because it works. You know, did you know that a video series is a 350 percent or 350 x ROI? Or wait, what was it? 350 percent? 352 percent, but who's counting? <laughs> yeah, but who's counting? No, but I, you know, I, 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 I just, but like, I mean, we've seen all the data on videos perform better than than like reading things like we know that videos overperform like so why don't more people do it i mean you grew up with inbound marketing as you know quarter your background so of course you you believe it but i mean we've all seen those statistics too so i don't know well i think for that i mean you think about even like your own buying habits if i think about like as i scroll through linkedin for example if there is a post where it's just text, right, I'm, I might read it. I'm probably more likely to read it if it's a post with text and a photo and probably even more likely for it to kind of catch my eye and have it be something compelling if it's text with a video, right? And how do they all complement each other? And I think if you just think about that very natural way in terms of how we as individuals consume content and what kind of, what kind of, piques our interest. I think it's very natural. And I think for me, it, it's it's really interesting. One of my early hires as I was building out the team was actually a video hire. And and I tell people that. And it's funny, I was just having lunch with someone today and, and they're building out their own marketing team. And I was talking about how, you know, my first two hires on the team was an events person because we saw such a high, high ROI with events and it's what our audience uses to take a look at new products and understand new technology. And the second hire was actually a video person. And I, I'm always surprised at how many people are are kind of blown away by that. Like, oh, wow, like that's that that was something that's really interesting or that's that's really risky. And in some ways, it was just very natural for me to think about video as a content medium um, first, I think that in terms of the ways in which our buyer evaluates software and wants to get comfortable with it, since it might be their first technology purchase that they're making, I think video is a great way to showcase our product, help them understand like how easy it is to use, you know, what it looks like when they become a customer and what that experience is like. I also think it's it's just such a fundamental way for how people consume content and building that connection. And it was a really easy way for you know, just even in the very early days to support like the sales process that existed at LinkSquares. And so I always think it's interesting, like how many people are kind of are, are struck by that. I think it's also a huge competitive advantage for your marketing to have video because video is way harder to do. Like you mentioned that you have a video series, which is really cool. And I checked out as part of this, but, but it's not just that it's the customer videos. It's, it's, it's demos. It's all those different ass like, quote unquote video is so complex in terms of how many things you can do, but it's really hard to do. And if you don't have some type of video component in house, and then, you know, you could flex with partners or you could flex with other stuff, or, you know, you can figure out ways to do that, but it's just a really big competitive advantage 
because it's way harder. You know, we always talk about like, there's no traffic on the extra mile. If you go the extra mile, your competitors are not going to go there. Like they just generally don't. Yeah, no. And it's been hugely beneficial for us. And I agree. I think some of the points that you were making about bringing it in-house that, you know, what is really allowed us to do is for it to be really reflective of our brand at Link Squares, have it align with the messaging that we have, and also move really quickly and experiment and iterate at that level. I mean, I have certainly worked with agencies in the past, and especially when you're working at like a high growth software company, our product changes all the time. And we're constantly evolving our product in terms of new features, new functionality. And the worst thing is always when you work on a large scale video project and you get to the very end and it might be like three or four months later and you're like, Oh, we changed our messaging on yep. this. The product looks totally different now than than what what you know, like what we started out with. And oh, can we include this other thing in it? And you're just not able to move as fast as as you want to. And so, I very much so believe in like bringing these skill sets in house to really, quite frankly, match the pace of the company that we're working at. I think it's always thinking about like, how do these different things complement each other, right? It's not an either or scenario. It's not as if we have only chosen to do video and we do zero written content, right? But how do they, how do they complement one another? And how do we think about different themes and sort of topic areas that our audience cares about and wants to learn more about? And then how do we, how do we meet them where they are? I mean, I know for me, it's not, it's not always that I want to watch a video, but certainly if I'm looking to learn more about a piece of software, right? Being able to see a video is 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 going to be a much different experience than just reading a block of text on it. If there is a new skill that I'm trying to learn, like depending on like what that skill is, sometimes video content is the best medium for it. Sometimes I want that written out step-by-step instructions on how to do something and, or something that, you know, as I'm, doing it that I can almost have it like open next to me. And I think for us, that's what we always think about is what is like that piece of content or topic area that we want to build upon that like our audience cares about and what is going to be like that best medium for it. And sometimes it can be the same topic area and different pieces of it, like a bite-sized piece of content might work well in an audio podcast, whereas a detailed sort of step-by-step, here's how you use the product goes really nicely with with doing maybe a video tutorial or a written out piece of document. And I think that's so much about like marketing is thinking about like that content and what is the vehicle and then really meeting matching it to your to your buyers and your prospects what what their needs and how they prefer to consume that content. And I think in many ways that's kind of what surprised me about events. Like I have never seen at another company yeah. that I've worked with at where you know, literally we'll have prospects that come by like our booth at a trade show. And it's almost as if they have like a shopping list, like, okay, this year I'm looking to purchase X and I want to stop by, you know, your booth and see a demo. You know, I know for me as a marketer, that's probably not how I think about purchasing and evaluating software. But I think it's like in marketing, you always have to have that open mind into learning about your buyers and how they think about, that purchasing process, how they go about finding information that's going to be valuable for them and having your marketing match that. And I don't think it's a one size fits all. Like I'm certainly not prescribing for everyone. Like everyone, you know, 
spend, you know, most of your marketing budget like in events, right? But that happens to be a really, a really high ROI channel for us. And I think you have to be open to those ideas. Yeah, I love it. I couldn't agree more. I, I think that like this multi-channel, multi-format sort of approach to just be people where they are and like people like to consume in different ways and, you know, consuming versus like actually buying or like two very different sort of things, like one passive, one, one very aggressive. And that's a, it's a great, that's a really cool, cool little anecdote that you, you learned by talking to your customers. Okay. Let's get to the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. Obviously, you've discussed a bunch of these already. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? So it's hard. I would say in general for us, I mean, events are such a high ROI, like marketing activity for us. Content, 100%. I mean, it's an area that we invest heavily in across different formats and, and forms of content. And I mean, I don't know, there's so many like different important parts of it. And probably like just even like video and creative in in general, right? Like how do we build that that brand that's memorable and, and different than our competitors? I think it's a competitive differentiator for us. I do want to ask though, when you talk about distributing this content, how do you think about getting it out there in front of people? Yeah. So, so, and, and it's funny as, as you asked like the first question, it's like even thinking more about it. I think that in some ways there's probably like no uncuttable areas of like marketing for us. I mean, one of the things that, that I pride myself on is I definitely think I'm a very, data-driven marketer, very quantitative and analytics focused. And we're constantly evaluating our different campaigns and our channels to make sure that they're performing well for us. So in some ways, like the answer to the question is like none of the things that we're doing, they're all uncuttable because I think that we've done such a great job of eliminating the things that are not performing for us. And so the things that we're doing, we just have such a high confidence in their ability to create like meaningful results and not just in terms of leads, but also revenue for, for our business. I think for, for your other question in terms of the channels for distributing our content, I mean, we kind of run, run the gamut there. I would say certainly we do a fair amount of paid acquisition, you know, we have our content readily available on our site, depending on the format. If we're talking about things like video content, pushing it out through YouTube and other channels, thinking about like our web series, we also do an audio podcast version of it and pushing that out through the different channels. We invest heavily in terms of PR, we use social media. So all the different areas that we find our audience is looking to find content and educate themselves. I mean, we also use content syndication, especially for our written content. We find it's a great channel for us. The list kind of goes on and on. I'll be honest yeah. with you. What's one thing that you're not doing now that you might be wanting to invest in here going forward? That's a really hard question. I think... 
and I'll just like, honestly, I'll readily admit that I don't necessarily have a good answer for that. I think for me, with having so much experience working in, in startups, a big part of the marketing that we do is focused on experimentation. And when I think about like experimentation and trying out new ideas, I guess the, the lens that I always look through it in is, is partially, you know, how can we truly experiment? How can we maybe start, start small with a channel or a type of marketing and see do we see early results? And it's almost this, this this doubling exercise, right? Of like, can we start small? And if we see positive results, well, let's double down on it and then look at the results again and compare it to different channels that we do. And if we continue to see positive results, like let's double down on it again and continue to invest in that. And so in some ways, there's not a lot of areas that I'm like, oh, I really want to do that, but we're not doing that right now. Because I think that, that we have built such a strong sort of culture of experimentation, both in the company as a whole and on the marketing side. How do you view your website? Our website is an extremely powerful channel for us. And I think that, I think that like our website, you know, I think everybody's website is, is in many ways like that, that front door to your company and such an important channel to optimize and to think about that experience. I think that like our website for us is, is kind of always going to be a work in progress and something that we're continuing to optimize and improve on and build more content and thinking about that buyer journey and how it complements it. But I mean, our website is a foundational item for us. All right, let's get down to our next segment. The dust up. Uh-oh, here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly as we've got punches and kicks. Where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales teams, your competitors, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust up in your career, Julia? So one, what I would say is that I don't necessarily view conflict as as a bad thing, right? Like I think that people are going to come into different situations with differing information, with differing opinions, with different experiences. And I don't think conflict itself is necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's, you know, how you approach it and how you deal with it. And like, do you come at it from a place of understanding and trying to, you know, understand and educate yourself on like a different, a different viewpoint? I love it. Okay, let's get to our final segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like how quickly qualified helps companies generate pipeline, tap in your greatest asset, your website, to identify your most valuable visitors and instantly, and I mean instantly, start sales conversations. Right there on the website, quick and easy, just like these questions, we love qualified with our the bottom of our very hearts for being with us since the very beginning of this show. Go to qualified.com to learn more. Qualified, they're the best. Quick hits. Juliet, are you ready? I am. And I'll even just kind of join in on the love fest where I <laughs> will admit that like we are qualified customers and we're a big fan of the product. I didn't know that. That's great. It might have been a little bit of a leading question on your part. I don't know. It was not a leading question. I actually didn't know that. It was not in my preparation and probably should have been, but uh, I didn't know that. That's great. How's qualified? How's life? 
It's been wonderful for us. It's been a huge asset to the team. And it's been a great opportunity, honestly, for us on the marketing side to partner really closely with our sales team. One of the things that I certainly pride myself on is the relationship that marketing and sales has at LinkSquares. I think partially for me, even if I think about you know, the way in which I got into marketing. I have been in sales roles before. I, you know, when I first joined HubSpot, I was in a sales role. You know, I've sat in that seat. I know what it's like to carry a quota. I know what it's like to get on the phone and sell. And so for me, when I think about marketing, it's all about how is marketing complementing the sales process? How are we making it easier for our sales team to sell by giving them the resources, the materials, you know, the warm leads to have those great conversations and that information. And so I just strongly, so strongly believe in like that partnership between marketing and sales. And I think Qualified has actually been like a great tool for us to continue having that great relationship and to continue that conversation and making it even more seamless, some of that handoff. So it has been a great great tool and sort of our, our toolkit. Well, that's the best organic read I could possibly yeah. give. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, you can feel free to have the qualified team reach out to me for a yeah. case study. Yeah, I mean, there we I go. <laughs> I will even say like candidly that before we had our call today, my senior director of demand gen like reached out and she said, Hey, I saw that you were going to be on this, you know, podcast that that qualified is a part of that's so amazing i mean she's a huge fan of the product as well well man this if if this isn't if this isn't one of the great days in in this podcast history i don't know what is that's cool shout out to her what's her name her name is angelica shout out angelica we we love you dearly thank you for listening and also for being a qualified customer okay quick hits i know that was not a quick answer i it's, apologize hey you can you can wax poetic about the presenting partner of the show all you want. Do you have a hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume? Yes. I would say I I truly love I truly love like going out and discovering new restaurants. So I am definitely someone if you are ever in the Boston area and you are looking for a restaurant recommendation, definitely hit me up. Hey now. Do you have a favorite book or podcast or TV show that you've been checking out recently? This is a hard one for me because I would say that like I consume a lot of content. One of the things that I love that I'm a part of is I have a book club filled with incredible women that I'm a part of. And what I love about that partially is it forces me to at least like read one new book a month. One book that we read recently was called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow that I highly recommend. And it's probably one of the books that that I have loved the most recently. Do you have a non-marketing hobby? that maybe indirectly makes you a better marketer? I don't know if this qualifies as a hobby, but I am a parent. I have two little girls, age five and seven. And I would say, I would say that being a parent makes me a better marketer in that I think parenting forces you to prioritize the things that are most important in your life and to make time for those and sometimes say no to other things that might be going on. But it really forces you to say, what are the things that are most important to me? And how do I make time for those? And how do I maybe, you know, say no to some of the things that 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 aren't as important? I love it. Couldn't agree more. If you weren't in marketing at all, or even business, what do you think you'd be doing? 
I think probably tied to the comment about loving like new restaurants and trying new food and exploring like new places in Boston. I think that if I wasn't in marketing, I could certainly imagine a life of running something in the hospitality business, whether it was something related to travel or restaurants or giving recommendations in that area. That's something that I love to do. What advice would you give to a first-time CMO who's trying to figure out their pipeline gen strategy? I would say really build that partnership with the sales team and understand how the sales team is currently selling the product and also what they need most from marketing to build that partnership and to complement that buying process. I love it. Juliet, it's been awesome. Oh, I buried the lead here. Y'all are hiring. So I've clearly, you know, you know how awesome of a CMO she is, but Link Squares is hiring right now and you can go to the website. We'll link it up for positions where you're hiring. Any other thoughts or anything to plug? No, I think that we covered a lot during our time today and it was so wonderful getting to meet you and talk with you. Yeah. Likewise, for everybody listening, go on Slack or wherever, ping your internal counsel and be like, hey, have you checked out Link Squares? It can save you. 352% of your time, value, money, energy, and life force. So go, yeah, go just give them a nudge and say, drop drop the link in. Go to linksquares.com. Yeah, and hopefully I've been doing my job and they're like, Linksquares, I've heard of Linksquares before. Right, yes, right. Like, ah, that was on my ledger when I was at a conference. And I said, this is something I need to evaluate in summer and it's summer now. Juliet, thanks so much and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks again to our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.